Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. A little two-week miniseries that we began with Mother's Day last week. And before we move into the, the next sort of idea that I'd like to talk about, we're going to examine the same verses. We're just going to add some layered truth to what we spoke about last week. Before we do that, I, I want to take a few minutes to refresh what we spoke about last week, because it's very important. The teaching we've been studying is found in a larger section of Scripture where Paul has been talking about how to have healthy, God-honoring relationships. And throughout this whole section of teaching, almost two chapters, there's been one common thread of health tying them all together. And it simply is understanding the necessity of godly authority. In other words, what does it mean to understand authority from the perspective of God? An authority that is not abusive, an authority that is not totalitarian, an authority that is actually put in front of us for the well-being of us. And that authority applied to lots of relationships in the book of Ephesians, whether it was with us and Jesus, recognizing him as Lord, the way that we treat each other, honoring each other, and the way that Jesus honors us, the importance of applying this in our marriages, in the way that we work, and certainly the topic we've been talking about, the importance of children honoring and obeying their parents in the Lord, and parents not exasperating or treating their children in ways that dishonor God. Very, very important section of teaching on healthy, God-honoring relationships. And it's really important to know that Paul in the New Testament is quoting this truth from the Old Testament. This idea is not a new one. It's actually the fifth of the Ten Commandments. And that is pretty significant. I said this last week and I want to say it again. Because the Ten Commandments are the foundational rules of engagement for how God has designed the world to function. And when they are followed, when we recognize the importance of things like not murdering and not stealing and a slew of other truths, respecting and honoring our God, what they do is they, they create an opportunity for humanity to flourish. They simply put, make the world a better place. And right in the middle of this, truly, this guide for relational living, the Ten Commandments, how we relate to God and then how we relate to the world, right in the middle of this is this command for children to understand the importance of parents in their lives. It's a clear instruction that says, one of the safeguards God has put in place to ensure that society flourishes and prospers is that children have a healthy level of honor for their parents and parents for their children. Now, last week I said that this command certainly applies to children in the younger years. In fact, it might be easier for us to understand what we've talked about and what we will talk about when our children are young. Because when they're very young, we sort of lead with obedience. Simply meaning, I mentioned this last week, we tell them things like, hey, do not run into the street or do not stick your finger in an outlet. We are really telling our kids things that are invaluable truths that keep them alive. That might be a little easier for us to understand. The honoring part, however, is not always as easy. It's a little more challenging to apply these truths to the teen years and certainly into adulthood when they shift from obeying God-honoring parents to honoring parents. Now, last week, we also spent some time talking about what the Bible meant when we referred to authority and obedience. For time's sake, I really wish I could reteach that section today because it is critical to understanding this passage. We just don't have time to revisit two messages in one Sunday. So I want to encourage you, if you were not here last week or did not hear that message, to listen to that teaching. Because understanding what the Scripture is and isn't saying about authority is critical in, in making sure we don't develop an understanding of an unhealthy understanding of what authority and obedience actually is. In other words, don't just think authority or obedience from some of the examples you might have seen in the world. Maybe they are correct, but Christ-centered obedience and authority is much different because connected to that authority is a good and a righteous and a holy God who never uses those things to hurt or disadvantage others. So we don't use these words in a blind way. We use them in a very biblical way. 
And if you would like more information on how to take that truth and apply it to this teaching, please listen to that message online. Today, though, we're going to talk about the importance of parents and children knowing how to honor one another. And this is very important to know because maintaining health in the parent-child relationship, no matter what stage you are in life with this, it's bound up in both the child and parent evolving or growing with the relationship as it moves from childlike obedience to an adult-like honoring of the other party. And simply put, if we miss this, the chances for discord, conflict arise in that relationship. And it is to this biblical concept we now turn our attention to for the remainder of the time we have this morning. I want to spend some time looking at what this transition looks like. And to do so, we must understand one central truth that we derive from Ephesians 6. When a child has been raised in the Lord, key statement, when they've been raised in ways that honor God, they should strive to make the transition from obeying their parents to honoring them for the rest of their lives. And I want to reread to you Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord simply means according to the ways of the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. There's the reference to the fifth commandment. And the promise there is you'll flourish if this is an actual reality in your life. Paul says, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. There's the promise to find. And then he goes on to say, fathers, and this is certainly not limited to fathers alone. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So you get this mutual command. You have children called to honor their parents when they raise them in the Lord, and parents told to be very mindful of what it means to have your children follow you. In other words, don't do things that lead them away from Jesus or harm them. Let me give you, it's an example, a very a very humorous example, I think, of a very serious matter. My son now just turned 13, and when he was very young, one of our favorite pastimes was to watch television at night. We do things now, but there was this season for a few years where we would watch one show together before he went to bed, and we would always do this on the couch. And it almost always had something to do with biology or fishing, one of those two categories. And I remember thinking every time we did that, especially when he was very young, that our days were numbered in doing this. Not our days in being together, but mainly what I'm saying here is the way that we watch television together. When he was very small, he would always lay his head on my chest as we watched the show together. It was a really sweet time. I really valued it and cherished it. And I remember thinking night after night as he grew that there was going to come a day As much as I cherish this, there was going to come a day where that would no longer be a reality for him. And when he was really small, I would always ask him things like I'd say, hey, will you promise when you're 20 years old to cuddle with me? And he would say yes, right? Because he was a kid and he didn't know any better. But I knew that would never happen. And you know it would never happen because it's utterly creepy for your 20-year-old to cuddle with you on a couch. But you get the point. You know, I was trying to help him realize how important and meaningful this time was. Um, In fact, My son now is literally two inches taller than me. He had one goal in life before he turned 13. That was to be taller than me, and he's accomplished that already. And he makes it a point to tell everybody this when he can. He actually started calling me short stacks a few months ago, which I think is pretty, uh, pretty hilarious. And so I'm making a strong argument right now that if we watch television together at night, I'm probably the one that should be laying my head on his chest because... He is pretty much more of a man than I am at this stage in life at 13 years old, right? Super awesome time. I remember those days, but those are days behind me now. We don't do that anymore. And if I'm to be honest, there are times where the thought of losing that time is a little bit painful. You know, as you see your kids grow, the, the relationship begins to change. And it can change in fruitful and meaningful ways. But there is, as a parent, sort of a feeling of loss at times, that that's a season of life you won't reclaim. There's also something very good about being able to parent, not just my son, but a child as they grow, in different ways, as as they develop into young adults and then adults. 
there are other challenges that they face in life that require us to, to approach these challenges and them in different ways. For example, they have relationships with friends and maybe even girlfriends or boyfriends, and they have questions about their faith. They have questions about what it means to, their identity in life, what it means to be valued in this world. There's a ton of things that, you know this, if you've grown up, as you grow, the world gets a little heavier when you become an adult. And this transition, moving them from childlike obedience to an adult honoring of our parents is what I want to look at, some ways that we can do that, some ways that we as, as, as children whatever age we're at, can actually look at our parents and try to honor them for the difficult job that they have. We said last week that understanding this transition is important because obedience has a limited shelf life when it comes to raising our kids. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying our children are not supposed to listen to and obey and follow godly parenting during the years of their youth. That's not what I'm saying here. What I am saying, though, is that as our children grow up and move out, as they spend more time out of the home, whether it's playing with their friends or going away to school or vocation or trade school, it becomes utterly impossible. And I would make a strong case. It's just unwise to think that raw obedience is, is, a, is a tool that we use for the duration of their lives. Simply put, because they make their own decisions. And that's part of what growing up is. They learn to make decisions. And so what we as parents want to do, and what I hope children will understand, is that we labor towards them trusting God, themselves, and us enough during these seasons of life to where they want to honor the Christian virtues we've instilled in them during the days of their youth. There has to be a time where they've owned the reality of what we have encouraged them to be in Christ. Because there is going to come a day when you can no longer tell your kid to not, proverbially speaking, stick their finger in an outlet. They will have the freedom to make that choice or ones much like it, very serious decisions on their own. And so there are three ways that I want to talk about this morning that we as children of parents, no matter how old we are, I want to sort of qualify this simply meaning some of us have parents in our lives right now, some of us don't. Some of us might be parental figures in people's lives that don't have parents. I don't want to limit this to us thinking like, unless you are a certain age with certain age kids, this teaching does not apply to you. The concept of being a child of God actually applies to all Christians, any man and woman who's in Jesus. And so there is both the physical reality we can learn from texts like this, but also a deep spiritual reality in the way that we follow our Father in heaven. We are called to obey and follow him because he is a God who is trustworthy. There's no limit to the way that this teaching can affect our lives, but I certainly want to look at it predominantly from the angle of, of child-rearing today. And so there are three ways we as children of parents, no matter how old we are, can honor our parents when they've raised us in the Lord, when they have set an example for us, not a perfect example, but an example where they have truly tried to honor Christ in our lives or us in our children's lives. And this is the essence of the fifth commandment and what Paul is saying here in Ephesians. As children grow up, they no longer have to obey their parents as they did like children. Notice that the fifth commandment calls kids to honor their parents. There is a point where they are no longer under our obedience, but they do, or at least are challenged to honor parents when we have honored God. How we are commanded because it is white, excuse me, wise and right in God's eyes to honor and cherish our parents for all the days that we have them. This is especially true when they've proven to be people who love and follow Jesus well. This part never changes, and that's where I think the fuzziness comes into play here. Parents truly are a gift from God. That's what Scripture teaches us. They, you know, give us life. That's a pretty big deal. And Paul reminds us that understanding this commandment is the only one that actually carries a covenantal promise, meaning it has an effect on our lives. When the parenting is healthy and good, it has an effect on our lives. If it's not healthy, if it's not God-honoring, it also has a negative effect on our lives. 
The positive effect is that for all of our days, they increase the chances of us living a long and fruitful life on earth, of perpetuating a pattern of raising kids in a way that reflect the image of Jesus, image bearing, as Abe just said. So how is it that we can do this? How can we grow, whether we're grown children, whether we're 16 or 60, how can we honor our parents if we still have them here or set an example for those to honor their parents if they still have them here? I just want you to consider three things this morning, three general ideas. And I want to caveat them before I begin. The first one is this. Wherever you can, honor your parents, especially if they've raised you in the ways of the Lord. Let me make one sort of important case here before we move on. You've probably noticed that I've used the words in the ways of the Lord regularly here because for some of us, and I'll touch on this lightly this morning, um, for some of us, we might have had very good relationships with our parents. Some of us might not have had good relationships with our parents. Maybe we grew up in a home where there was uh, neglect or maybe even abuse. What I want you to know is that these teachings this morning, if you've come from an environment like that, they require lots of nuance, simply meaning the principles in themselves are right, but the way we approach them in a situation like that would be very, very different, meaning there would need to be an immeasurable amount of wisdom applied to these in those particular relationships. And so I just want you to keep that in mind, that the stakes for raising a child in the Lord are very high because we either perpetuate the truths of Jesus on earth, the goodness he wants the world to experience, or we perpetuate negative things, we damage people or become people who are damaged because of the way we have been treated. It's incredibly important that we recognize the significance of obedience in the ways of the Lord. That's what Paul says in Ephesians, and that is the pretext upon which we'll approach these truths this morning. Wherever you can, honor your parents, especially if they've raised you in the ways of the Lord. Now, some time ago, I read something that really grabbed a hold of me as it described one of the most powerful ways you can show your parents honor, a way that you can cherish them. It said to make it a point to let your parents see themselves in you. Make it a point to thank your parents for the good that they've instilled in you. So for example, maybe you grew up in a home or are encouraging a home where hard work matters. And because of the way that you were raised, you are now a hard worker. That's a value you have, that's a good thing. Or if your parents placed a great deal of emphasis on, on being kind and compassionate, they led through word and deed, you have now become a person who is actually compassionate. The point of this article was saying you should thank them for that. Compassion can often be in short supply in our world, and we should be thankful for those things that they have put in us that really help us to be uh, God-fearing people who are productive in the world we live in. In short, the premise of this article was saying you should really consider how your parents raised you. Faults in everything. We don't get away from that. No parent raises, children's perfect, raises a child or children perfectly. We perpetuate faults at times and good things. And so we want our children, and we want to be children who have the discernment to sort through the two, to learn what to pass on and to what to stay away from. And that is all the more important for us to know the Scripture, because many of the relational truths, for example, what Paul's talking about in Ephesians, the ways that God has designed the world to work together, we know these truths, the way we can know them is by understanding who Jesus is. So the, the person of Jesus is a great way to understand how we are to treat people. And we want to make sure that we, we don't neglect, if our parents have worked hard to bring us up, we don't neglect the places or take for granted the places where there is good that is rubbed off on us. And that really matters to a parent. That's what the article was saying. Make it a point to encourage them in that way and to remind them of the places where they have shaped you in positive ways. Perhaps what is most ironic about this is that for many of us, I want you to think about this, especially if you are a person out of the home. 
Maybe you're even a person who is, you know, saying things that your mom or your dad said to you, to your children now. What's most ironic about the reality of a teaching like this is that for many of us, after learning some of our life lessons the hard way, we return to the counsel of our parents, especially if they're in the ways of the Lord. We, we return to the counsel that was offered to us in the years of our youth. And this is somewhat of a cardinal rule for growing up. In life, especially if we've been raised with godly wisdom, sometimes what happens is we hear these things, but we don't necessarily honor them or obey them in those moments of life. But there can be a time when we grow in the grace of Jesus where this changes. Sometimes we might even wish that we would have listened to what they said before we ran our heads into the brick wall of individualism. You know, you've probably heard that in a home, like, I'm telling you this so you can avoid this pitfall in your life. Sometimes we do that and sometimes we don't. What's ironic about this is that we do often return to some of the key values when they have honored God that our parents have tried to instill in us. And I'll just give you a, a loose example here. My dad's pushing 80 now, and he loves now, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s, I'm going to be 43 this week, I feel like I'm 49, but that's a story for another day. Uh, in, in my 40s now, with my dad being almost 80, he actually gets, uh, my dad does not smile, he's the most stoic man on the face of earth. If you were to put him next to a cinder block, the cinder block would have a better sense of humor. You know, my dad is just like that, so he smiled like four times in, in life. Uh, when I tell him, though, things where I have sort of learned, like where I, I recognize there was something he told me for a long time that I just didn't listen to, and I admit that he was right, he will crack like a little smile, and a, a part of him dies when he does that. That's just the way that that happens, right? So he'll say, here's a great example of this. Uh, I lived in New Orleans for uh, just, just shy of 10 years, and uh, growing up in New York, this is the reason why he was like this, everything we had was taken from us. Like, my dad owned three cars, and every single one of them was stolen, two of them within a week's time. All of his tools were in the trunk of one of his vehicles because we lived in an apartment, and so he was really naturally phobic about having things that could be taken. He was really skeptical for a lot of reasons because the majority of what he worked hard for at some point was taken from him. And so when I lived in New Orleans, I got a little stereo system for my car, and he would call me saying things like, you should not waste any money on a stereo in New Orleans because somebody's going to break into your car and steal it. And I would tell him, no, Dad, I, you know, don't worry. I like the car. It's all fine. And what's great about this is that after having that thing in my car for two months, somebody actually broke into my car and stole it. I had to file a report at 2 in the morning. My window was busted out, and they robbed all the stereo equipment. And what's funny is, is I, I tell him that. I told him. He was really right about that. I probably should have been a little more thoughtful in that situation. Although as a child, I must admit, it was kind of fun having the stereo while it lasted, right? There was something he told me that was very true. So I guess the point I want to make here is providing your parents' thoughts and counsel honor God, meaning they, they, this is a virtuous way to be raised, then what we should do is, is continue to seek it, even when we are out of the home. And by seek it, I mean we should honor it. That doesn't mean we have to obey it. We have to make our own decisions as we grow, especially as we have our own families or whatever sphere of influence God has given us a domain in. We, we, have, to, we have to make our own decisions. But if you have a good parent, it's really important that we honor them and even listen to them, but weigh their thoughts carefully. We're no longer under obedience, but honoring our parents might mean that it's worth listening to them at times, even when you're no longer bound to obey their counsel as you grow up. And the reason for this is Scripture is clear. If, if you look at the patterns of, of discipleship, which primarily begin in the home, the Bible makes it very clear. We have churches, they're important, but the foundational place that families sort of help people grow up to understand who Jesus is, is the actual family. Churches are clustered families. There's spiritual metaphors in the Bible that talk about us being a large family. 
So the concept of the home, the concept of parenting is very important. And what God's design is, is that the wisdom of Jesus would be perpetuated in those environments. So simply put, what I'm trying to say is, if we have one of those relationships with parents, we'd be unwise to not tap into their life experience. And at times, trust in the fact that they still love us and want the best for us. And so I simply want to say here, where there has been parenting in the ways of the Lord, honor your parents wherever you can. You have to make your own way, but honor them in the ways that, that can not only value your future progress or help to uh, make value out of your future progress, but can encourage them in the same way. Honor them where you can. Second thing I want to say is, know that neither parents or children are perfect. So make it a point to regularly practice the discipline of forgiveness. This is true in any relationship we have. The, the understanding of the grace Jesus shows the world on the cross, the way he looks at the fallen world, and rather than destroying it, which he had every prerogative to do, he actually decides to intervene. He shows grace to the world and offers forgiveness. That relationship between Jesus and us that we see on the cross should be applied to every relationship we have. And it's common for grown adults, especially if you are a person who has a difficult time forgiving. And don't hear me saying that there's ever an easy time to forgive. Forgiving can be very hard. But what happens is, is if we grow up in an environment or if we are the type of people who can't even forgive people for the honest mistakes they make, this is common in the world today. What happens is we grow up not being a people who learn to be gracious, not being a people who learn to understand who Jesus is and how to apply that in our lives, we likely grow up being people who are increased, we have an increased desire to be negative or bitter towards the people in our lives that have hurt us. And when I say hurt, again, I want to caveat this. I'm talking about within the realms of normal parenting. If there's an abusive relationship here, this changes dramatically. My point here is no human lives on this earth without hurting another human. None of us do. We all, at some point, will, will damage or do something that can negatively affect a relationship. And we have to be mindful of this. We want to grow up in a place where we can sort through what are truly grievous things against us and what are just the honest mistakes that relationships often have. Rather than growing to love and cherish a person more over time, if we can't learn to forgive, what happens is we'll likely grow in resentment and disdain for them. That is a toxin for the soul. And this is especially true in a culture like ours that values individualism above all else. I touched on this last week and I want to sort of hit it again here. When we seek individualism above all else, what happens is we feel justified sometimes in, in cutting off relationships that shouldn't be cut off because we want to make our own way or we think that nobody can step on me. But the truth is that some people will step on us and we will step on some people at times. The ability to forgive and to receive forgiveness is important in any relationship that matters to us. And I'm confident if you were to speak to any godly parent, any rational parent, Every one of them will have areas of their parenting that they would have handled differently if given the chance. Maybe you feel that you were you know, thrown too quickly out into the world. Or maybe you feel that your parents sheltered you from it, left you unprepared for it. Maybe you wish they would have been more emotive with you or less emotive. Maybe you wish they would have been more open with you. Maybe you grew up in a home where there truly was parental neglect. Maybe you observed an affair. Maybe you wish someone would have taught you how to handle finances better or would have displayed a different work ethic. That list can literally go on forever, failed expectations. But what it represents in our hearts cannot. Every one of us, to varying degrees, at some point is going to have to think about these things, especially when it comes to the relationships that matter to us, our parents, our spouses, our children. And we're going to have to make the decision of whether or not we should strive to forgive them in that area. 
so we can be freed from the bondage that that puts us in if we cannot. Because people make mistakes. And I want to be clear, some are much more harmful than others. Some absolutely require that we forgive, but not forget, lest we put ourselves in positions where we are perpetually hurt again. I'm not arguing for forgiving and forgetting. I'm arguing that we must at times really forgive and then be mindful of what's going on. But my point here is no matter what it is, the bottom line is this. If you choose bitterness with any person in your life, especially your parents, what happens is you will become more hard and more bitter as you grow. And so if you struggle with this, then what you must do is ask God to free you from it. That's going to be a lifelong process most likely. But it's important that we ask God to give us the strength in areas of our lives where it is necessary. It's important that we don't try to live the Christian life without the presence of his spirit in our life. We ask his spirit to free us from the vice of resentment and bitterness because it's a toxin for the heart. And as we do, we have to remember one thing. This is especially true when we talk about raising children in the Lord or even discipling other men and women in the Lord. The way we handle forgiveness is going to set an example for somebody else. And there'd be a great irony if in our own parental relationships, our upchange, if there were legitimate reasons where forgiveness was necessary, if we chose to, to withhold that from people and set that example for our children. Because I'm pretty confident one day our children are going to grow up and they will be faced with similar choices about you and I. Nobody parents perfectly. And it should be our prayer that they have learned to discern where there have been errors, but to forgive us where there have been uh, real honest mistakes. Because they've not only heard about forgiveness in the words of Scripture, they've seen it exemplified through the people who set the greatest example for them in their life, their parents or other people who are very influential in their spiritual development in Jesus. And so while it's very common to hear children, several years after their parents pass away, they say things like, I wish I would have raised this issue with my dad or my mom, or um, there's an area of my life where I, I really needed to apply forgiveness there but did not. There is a shelf life on this because no human, at least on this earth, lives forever. And so we want to make sure that we don't step into a mistake that we can't undo. We want to work towards setting an example with them in the way that Jesus set it for us first. Discerning failure and applying forgiveness is critical. The last thing I want to say here, and I'll be very brief here, is to make it a point to show your parents that you still care about them. Now, what's interesting about this is this is probably the easiest of the three things that we can do, especially if you've grown up in an environment where there was a, a Lord-honoring posture. It's easy to do, but in our modern world, where the excuse of busyness has become a catch-all term to justify a host of ways people neglect important relationships, lots of them, it's very easy, easy to overlook this. When I say it's easy to do, I simply mean continuing to show your parents that you care about them usually doesn't require the moving of a mountain. It requires small but subtle ways to reveal to them that we still think about them. In the same way, you know, we, we lament. I sort of shared my own story here. I lament the fact that my son thinks a little less about me now these days. And that's actually partly good as he develops. But the truth is that it's, it's really important. The heart is gratified when you recognize you are thought of by somebody else, especially when it comes to the way we think about the way Jesus loves, cares, and thinks about us. Those encouragements, the way he describes us, can be deep motivations for our heart and our soul. And there is a physical reality we're thinking about here. We can show our parents that we still care about them by doing, sometimes these are just small things, but they matter. We can remember anniversaries. We can remember the deaths of, of loved ones. Maybe the anniversary is painful for our parents because they are no longer with a spouse. It's important to remember those things. We can remember birthdays. You know, in the world we live in today, we can pick up a phone and call. 
We can visit them and invite them to visit us. We can send a card. If they live locally, we can take them out for a lunch or a supper. There are lots of ways that you can show care. You can remind them, as I said a few moments ago, what they've taught you, how their sacrifices have helped you to become a part of who you are today. There is seldom a greater joy in a parent's heart than when children acknowledge the role their parents played in their life. And that is really a small sacrifice we can make on our part. That goes such a long way with a parent. Another way to show them that you care is to never act in ways that would hurt them or dishonor them. After all, in a healthy environment, they've spent their whole lives caring and sacrificing for you and for myself. And so trying to equip us, they're doing things to help us grow up in a way where we can be fruitful in this world. That should be in the back of our minds as we make decisions in our own lives. Here's how I want to wrap up today. One of the greatest ironies about the parent-child relationship, and this is an irony that's been flushing itself out since the beginning, the origins of humanity. One of the greatest ironies about the parent-child relationship is that as children, we start out very weak in life while our parents are very strong. They provide for our every care and need, at least they're supposed to, in those days of infancy, of, of childhood, and, and our youthfulness. Yet as we grow, this paradigm reverses. As we grow, our parents age and things start to go the other direction. We as children begin to grow stronger while our parents age and weaken. And if you have parents and are raising children, you're sort of in the middle of this precipice. You, you see your parents as they begin to age and you, and you sort of recognize as you're raising children how important what you do and do not do is. It's almost like you need to be in their shoes a little bit to understand some of the grief and the challenges they faced. And what I want to say here is there's a clear shift of responsibility that often goes along with this, with this biblical transition from obedience to honoring. As the caregiver is now the one who needs to be cared for. As those who have experienced much from their parents are now called to take a turn in giving back. And I want to make a comment on the social reality of the country we live in, which I love deeply. I love this place and don't want to leave it. But I want to say one of the unfortunate losses of the American lifestyle that we should fight very hard to reclaim in the Christian lifestyle is that oftentimes we are so focused on making our way, we're so focused on our future that we do not think about the past. This is true with history on a global level and even in our indigenous relationships. Things like our family bloodlines, they might go back one single generation to our grandparents. Maybe you have an idea who your great-grandparents are, but for most people, once you get beyond that, it's sort of like you just got invented three generations ago. We forget the incredible lineage that preceded us this lineage we're talking about here. For some of us, we not only don't think about that, but we just don't care about that because we're concerned with the future. And for some people, they can't stop viewing their parents as a burden they have to deal with in life, keeping them from moving forward in life. And this attitude is a little bit tragic, especially if you grew up in the kind of home we spoke about earlier, the one where the ways of the Lord were deeply honored. According to Paul in the fifth commandment, this idea is one we need to really, we need to apply whether or not we need to apply wisdom to it to see whether or not this needs to be in our lives. Because we wouldn't have life without parents. And in the, the right environments, despite their faults and failures, we wouldn't be where we are without them. We have been shaped by them. And so remember, even though we're no longer obliged to obey our parents as we grow up, if they've honored God, we're told to always honor them. We're told to cherish them and to care for them. And that should be something we think about in the purview of everything that goes on in our lives. We should be willing to show them forgiveness where they need it and especially in the places they asked for it because our parents are a gift from God. And although the institution of parenting has been around forever, please hear me when I say this, and some of you have already experienced this, our parents will not be. 
neither will we be for our children and them for theirs. So love them while you have them. Cherish them in a way that honors God and brings joy to their hearts. Pray for the same attitudes in your children. Honor Jesus in the way you raise them. And ask that as they grow up under you, the type of parenting Jesus wants, the one we read about in the, in the, the Ten Commandments, the one Paul encourages us here to apply, pray that they grow up in the same ways. They, they value those virtues in the same way we value them in the way that we honor the Lord. So as we move into our response, I'm asking yourself, what is Jesus saying to you about parenting, about your physical relationship with your parents or your relationship with your children? And maybe you're here without any of those things that I just mentioned right now. You are a beloved child of God, and you can apply this truth to the way your Father in heaven parents and loves you and the way that you shepherd and make disciples of the men and women around you, the spiritual children God has put in your life. There is no place this teaching does not touch in the heavens or on earth. And so I pray you would ask God now, in this time we have to respond, where he wants you to, to think about, where he wants you to process, and the areas that he might even be calling you to change in.